2 Kings chapter 13, we're going to start in verse 14, and I'm just going to read it from the screen, if that's okay. The Bible says, the prophet Elisha, when he was fallen sick of his sickness, whereof he died, and Joash the king. Now, weird thing about Joash is he was kind of one foot in and one foot out when it came to his worship to God. Uh, he was the king of Israel, and he was one of those kings that came running when things went wrong, and then came running away when things went right. I'm thinking, thank God there's nobody like that that worships God anymore. And Joash, the king of Israel, came down unto him and wept over his face and said, Oh, my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And Elisha said unto him, Take bow and arrows. That's why I have these arrows here today. And he took unto him bow and arrows. He told Joash to do this. So this king is out there in a very desperate place, knowing that the kingdom is about to be attacked and overtaken. And he said to the king of Israel, put thine hand on the bow. And he put his hand upon it. And Elisha put his hand upon the king's hand. And so there's this moment where Elisha kind of wraps himself around the body of the king and pulls the arrow back. Next verse. And he said, open the window eastward, which was towards the enemy. And he opened it. Then Elisha said, shoot, and he shot, and he said, the arrow of the Lord's deliverance, and the arrow of deliverance from Syria, for thou shalt smite the Syrian of Aphek, till thou have consumed them, mm, that's powerful, you got the prophet of God wrapping himself around you, and he's like, just right there, I know you're a backslider, I know you got a bad attitude sometimes, but God's about to give you victory over Syria. And so Joash is just, ah, I like this moment. And then he said, take the arrows. And he took them and he said unto the king of Israel, smite upon the ground. Now, there's a couple of interpretations here. Some people believe that the word smite means to shoot, that he shot arrows. We're going to use the literal interpretation today. Either way, it preaches the exact same way because it's the same illustration. He said, smite the ground. And he took the arrows. These are Grant's arrows. I don't want to break them. If these were my arrows, I'd be like, whack. I'd be just, just killing this stage today. I'd be taking all my anger out on the county's lack of air conditioning on their stage. <laughs> Strike that from the record. And he smote the ground three times. The prophet does not have his arms around him anymore. Okay, just Joash. Bam, bam, bam. He's done. Next verse. And the man of God was wroth with him and said, Thou shouldest have smitten the ground five or six times. Then hadst thou smitten Syria till thou hadst consumed it. Whereas now thou shalt smite Syria but three times. See, according to your faith, according to your, your own belief and desire, that's what you ended up getting here. You should have just kept on hitting the ground. I even wrapped my arms around you the first time and spoke life into you and told you what he was about to do. But you hit it three times, and Elisha died, and they buried him. And the bands of the Moabites invaded the land at the coming in of the year. For a few moments, I want to preach on this topic. The high cost of low expectations. The high cost of low expectations. God's about to speak to us. If you believe it, would you just pray with me? Jesus, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the power of your word. 
I speak against low expectations in this room. God, we are people of faith. We are the children of God. We are powerful because you have made us powerful. No, not one of us is worthy, but we do serve a worthy God. And we throw ourselves at your mercy today. But Lord, we do not believe in any way, shape, or form that who we are will dictate what you can do. Because you are all powerful and almighty. And Lord, you are our Father. And it is your desire to do good things. The Bible says that you have good plans for our lives. And I speak in the name of Jesus against any low expectation in this room. Whether it be for an individual or it be for our church corporately. You are going to do great things. We have not even seen the beginning of what you are going to do. I prophesy it. I speak it. I believe it. I declare clear it today. I put the arrows of faith in my hand and I strike the ground over and again and I say, God, let there be deliverance. Let there be power. Let there be joy restored. Let there be revival. Let there be hope in this place. I pray bring our sons and daughters back. I speak it in the name of Jesus. If you believe it, would you put your hands together and would you give God praise right now? Come on, more than a three times praise. Would you give him five or six times what he's worthy? According to your faith today. Thank you, Jesus. You can be seated. Thank you so much for your worship. I'll just say this today. I refuse to pay the high cost of low expectations at Stello Church. Let me just kick off strong today. I refuse to pay the high cost of low expectations. God has something great for our church. God wants to move and he wants to work. I believe in the name of Jesus that in individuals in this room, there are things that God has spoken to you. There are moments, whether it be at a leadership retreat where the prophetic voice of God worked through the word of God and you begin to believe that, yes, I've not arrived yet. There's something more for me. I believe that even if it was those moments, maybe two years ago or maybe it was a decade or more ago, I believe that the promises of God are yes and they are amen. I believe that he's not finished with us yet. I'm thankful for what he's done at Stello Church. I'm thankful for the last four years. But I cannot get the spirit of anticipation out of me right now. Because I believe that greater things are yet to be done. I believe that he's the God of this city. I believe that there is a revival for you and for your family and for our children. I believe that he's establishing a generational apostolic church right here in North Raleigh. I don't have a low expectation for what's going to happen. I believe that this is going to be a church that's known for unusual prayer. I believe that this is going to be a church that people bring their kids to when they're sick because they know that's a church that you can get healed in. That's what, that's what amazes me about this story with Joash. Joash was an ungodly man. Now, I want you to hear me right now. One would say of him, he was not a worshiper of false gods, but he was a false worshiper of the true God. Okay. He was not a worshiper of false gods. He was a false worshiper of the true God. There's a lot of folks that could possibly fit that bill. 
that they come in, and it's not like they are, are running or at least not declaring that they're running to other gods. They claim Christianity. They claim to serve the true God, but they only do it when it's convenient or when it feels right for them or when they need something. Now, what's cool about God is his mercies are forever, and they endure. And even in this moment, we see the mercies of God working. But oh, what a sad life to live. That you have to run to the man of God, to that prophet of God. And he said, my father, my father. I'm essentially saying, I know that there's been, there's been tension between us. I know I've not been the king that I should be. But in this moment, I need you. And he comes with doubt and low expectations that are undoubtedly predicated upon his own past and his own lack of faithfulness. Speaking of Joash. And so now Joash has to live under the heavy weight of a lack of conviction. And so he walks in, and he has this low expectation. And isn't it amazing that even ungodly Joash would mourn the loss of godly Elisha? Let it be that we live such godly lives that even the ungodly mourn us when we're gone. Can I just tell you that's the kind of church that he wants us to have in this room. He wants us to have the kind of church that even the ungodly, the unbelievers, look and they can take notice and say, listen, I may not claim to be this or that. I may not claim to be a, a godly person or a believer, but I can tell you something. There's something unusual about what God is doing through the people at Stello Church. That's a church of power. That's a church where things can be changed. I want this to be a place where even the atheist walks in with sick children and says, I don't know if I believe this, but would you lay your hands on my children that they may be healed. I want this to be a place where expectations are raised. And the only expectation we have is the miraculous hand of God working and moving. I believe that. I believe God wants this to be a place that changes the community. I believe he wants this to be an epicenter where things begin to emanate from and things begin to change. I do not have a low expectation for what God is doing at Stello Church. There are greater things that we have not even gotten close to seeing. And it might take some years, and it might take some generations of faithfulness, but can I just tell you, it's going to be in my lifetime. I'm going to see it happen. I'm going to be the person who gets to be the, the one who puts their hand on it. Right now, God's challenging somebody in this place. Your response, and I'm not asking you to shout for me. I'm not asking you to, to pat me on the back and say, you're doing a good job, pastor. But I'm talking about somebody who in their spirit would affirm themselves with the word of God, align themselves with the word of God. Your response to this just might be how many times you hit the ground with what God has put in your hand. So I'm asking you, what's your expectation? What's your expectation for your life? What's your expectation for what God is wanting to do? What's your expectation for the next years of your life and the next generation and what God's going to do in this place? Can you see the vision that God has placed in my heart and the hearts of leaders that this room right here, we're going to watch it as we have to back up those barriers and the seats aren't enough to be filled right here. We, we have to back it up because there's so many people coming in and I can't wait. I'm telling you, it's a day that's not so far away that God's going to fulfill the vision that he placed in my my heart when I walked by that hallway and I saw people filling the balcony area of this room and this auditorium right here. It's a day that's not so far off. Why? Because God is going to get the glory for anything that he does at Stello Church. So yes, I have a very high expectation for what God wants to do. 
In fact, this week, I got a call. I was talking to a man in our church, and he said, Pastor, I felt like God put a vision in my spirit early, uh, early one morning this past week. He said, I felt in my spirit so strongly that God is going to fulfill what he wants to do. We've been talking a lot about this the last few weeks in some way or another in many of our sermons. And he said to me, he said, you know, I thought about the prophecy that was given not too long ago, which was this phrase, the drought is over. We cling to that. The drought is over. Listen, we, we, we survived some things. We went through as a church plant some things. But if we think for one second that we have reached some sort of sustainable place where now we can, just, we can just rest for a bit. Now, God will give us rest. He'll give us peace. And I'm not talking about putting the power in our hands. But I am talking about taking God at his word. And saying, Lord, you said you would do something for my family, for my life, for this church. And I won't be satisfied until it's done. That's what that word was really speaking to. The drought is over. God is about to pour in to some lives and to some people and into this church. He said, listen, he said, Pastor, I went and I read that story. And he said, as I was feeling this in my spirit, I went and I, I just felt like I was supposed to read it. And he said, the thing about it is, he said, that miracle when God brought rain with Elijah and you saw this happen. He said it was contingent still upon the faith of the king of that day. Very similar to the story that we're talking about. He went and he confronted, uh, let me say it like this. There had to be a confrontation with the king first. And so that prophet had to go face the person that he was most afraid of in that moment. And we understand what happened there in that place. You had prophets of Baal. We had fire raining down. One of the more famous stories in the Old Testament of the fire of God. And we love that story. But if you look at it, it was a very uncomfortable place for the man with the word from God. He was, I mean, he was outnumbered. Uh, he, he could have died that day. There was certainly nothing comfortable about it for him. Now, we love the excitement of a word from God. Woo, I got a word from God. Now he says, what are you going to do with it? Are you willing to go and face the thing that is so oppositional? Are you willing to take the word of God and do something with it? See, it's a lot like Joash. We love it whenever we can feel the word of God or the hand of God wrapped around us and pulling the arrow and the tension back for us. And he said, now let go. That was so good. High five, Lord. See, the comfort of the word of God or when it's somebody else's word is easy for us. It feels really good. It's, it's easy when it's not contingent upon us doing something. But the question is, what are we going to do when he places the arrows square in our hands and says, I promised you victory, I promised you revival, I promised you that if you'd get in the baptistry, be baptized in the name of Jesus, that I'd fill you with the Holy Ghost, that you could have a different life. But now you've got to make the walk to an altar. Now you've got to say yes. Now it's on you because I'm not going to push you into obedience. I've given you the promise. I've given you the word. I've used a man of God or a disciple maker in your life to deliver the word of promise. But now what are you going to do with it? Whether that's in salvation or the revival that he has for us. Are you going to respond? And can I tell you what will dictate that response is where your expectation level is. Because that was the issue with Joash. Is he had a very, very low expectation. And I begin to ask myself. Why would Joash not take advantage, full advantage, of what God had for them? 
He'd already been spoken to by the prophet. He'd seen victories before. But in this moment, something just caused him to have a very low expectation. Well, there's a few things I can think of. Number one is he might have felt guilty. Because he had lived his life the way he lived his life. He had led the kingdom the way he had led the kingdom. And there is a good chance that he felt very guilty for the way that he had led the kingdom of God. The Bible says in Proverbs 28 and 1, what does it say? It says that the, the righteous, they're bold as a lion. And what happens to those that, that are unrighteous? They flee when nobody's even chasing. You see, it's difficult to have boldness when you don't have righteousness. Yeah, it's difficult to actually believe that God will do what he said he will do when you've been living your life contrary to what he's asked you to do. Now, can I just tell you what's amazing about God is if Joash would have been willing to strike the ground, he would have done it. The problem was not God's willingness to respond. The problem was the insecurity that had been bred within Joash because of the unrighteousness of his lifestyle. And so sometimes the reason our expectations are low is because our purity is not intact. And God will bring you to a place of repentance so that he can bring you to a place of righteousness so that he can bring you to a place of high expectation. And there's some people in this room that God's saying, hey, I want to do it. I'm not the one who doesn't desire to do it. But every time you walk into my presence because of the way that you've been living and the things that you've refused to give up, you can't seem to believe that I want to do it because you're stuck in guilt. Can I just tell you that guilt, that fear, that condemnation, it is not the spirit that we have been given. But God's going to give you a spirit of love, joy, and of a sound mind. And there is an altar of repentance here today. Whether you're a believer or an unbeliever, we all run to the same altar and we say, God, I am not worthy. I am broken. And in that moment, his mercy will flood in and will work. And can I just tell you, I believe that God's about to restore some righteousness so that he can restore some expectation. And in the name of Jesus, there's going to be some people that you begin to see the miraculous hand of God because you begin to get your life intact. Things begin to move in the right direction because you can actually believe with a clear heart and a clear mind that God wants to move in my life. Maybe it was though that he was mourning the sickness of Elisha. Elisha was about to die and he's wondering how can we do this without him because he was stuck in an old paradigm. He didn't believe that God's promises were predicated upon God himself. He believed that they were predicated upon a person. And sometimes we don't believe God at his word and we lower our expectations because we're afraid that we're going to be disappointed by people. It's not about God, it's about people. And we say, well, they're not there. They're going to be gone soon. Can I just tell you that that would be very easy for all of us to do? We can look around and say, well, listen, you know, there's a lot of people that, that were here that they're not here anymore, and just who knows? Listen, I, I, can just, I can just be honest for a moment and tell you that there's been a lot of movement at Stello Church, not for bad reasons. There's been people that they decided to get married. <sighs> Jerks. I'm just kidding. And would you believe they decided to not move to Raleigh? Now, that does make zero sense to me. It's a great place. They decided to move out. You have enough people move out and thank God for people that move in. 
I'm praying for a higher ratio of move-ins and move-outs, somebody. Hold on one second. But somebody's got to let somebody go for them to move in here. God didn't want our growth at Stello Church to be predicated upon move-ins. He wants it to be unbelievers, people that are not yet discipled. But what can happen is I begin to believe as a pastor that whether or not I'm affected is predicated upon or somehow indicated by whether or not people stay here. No, people move away. Things begin to shift. And what happens is I get my identity caught up in people rather than God. And so now my expectations become lowered because I've got my eye on Elisha rather than God himself. But if God said he's going to give us victory, can I just tell you, Elisha was going to die either way. But the victory was going to happen either way as well. Both were inevitable. Can I just tell you, death and victory are both inevitable. You're going to see people die in your life, both literally but also relationally. You're going to see things not work out the way you thought they were going to work out. People are going to disappoint you. People are going to walk away from you. Things are going to fail. Things are not going to work out the way. In fact, I would argue that oftentimes they're going to work out differently than what you thought they were going to work out. But it is all according to the plan of God. Because just as inevitable as death is, so is victory. So get your eye off the thing that has to die and get your eye on what God wants to do. Because God, he has victory for us. He is going to take you through the mourning process of whatever has to die and bring you into the victory power of life. I feel that in the Holy Ghost. Maybe you're somewhere today. You've been hurt. You've been disappointed by people. I'm not here to tell you you need to get over it. That's not my message today. Mourn if you've got to mourn. There is a time for that. But also simultaneously believe that God is still on the throne. And my identity was never in Elisha. My identity was never in the name of a church. My identity was never in a pastor, never in a son or a daughter. My identity and my victory has always been in God and God alone. Some of you right now need to hear me. You've got frustrated family dynamics. You've got people who are dissuading you and discouraging you and telling you you need to get your eye off of God and move in a different direction. You listen to your pastor right now for a moment. Don't let the voice of the enemy be filtered through the voice of a mother or a father or a brother or a sister. I'm praying for God's retribution and hand of life upon them, but don't let them drag you to where they're at. You need to begin to stand and say, hey, it was never about this relationship anyway. I hate that it has to die. Elisha, I wish you could stay longer. If I had my way about it, you'd be here forever. But can I just tell you, when you're dead and gone and we bury you, we're still going to have victory in this place. God still got something for Stello Church. I don't know what God wants to do and who he's going to use, but I do know this. It's happening, and it's on the way, and the victory is for sure for you and I. Maybe he got his eye on past defeats. Maybe he looked at a history where he said, well, that didn't turn out the way I wanted it to. We lost that battle before. Let me just tell you something. If God promises you victory in this battle, then you're going to have victory. And when, when Israel had defeat, because they did have defeat, which would eventually lead to exile, it was still a part of the plan of God. I don't know what stage or what place you're in, but you listen to me right now. 
It is not a time to lower your expectation because it's going to cost you more than you want to pay. I promise you that. You don't want to pay the price of low expectations. Low expectations will always cost us more than what we want to pay. There's an interesting neurological study that they did recently. They gave two, two groups of people the same dietary pill. But they told one group that the pill was, was good for them and had positive health benefits. The exact same pill. Hear me. This is wild. Then they gave the other group same pill but told them it was bad for them, that it had negative health effects. It was essentially a sugar pill. There's really nothing to it, but they gave them the exact same thing. Whatever calories or whatever it had in it, they were able to measure. Now, this is wild. What they found when they studied the effects on the brain of both groups of people is that the people that believed it was good for them actually metabolized the pill in a healthier way. That's how powerful the brain is. The belief is. Versus the the people that believed it was unhealthy for them, their brain literally reacted differently and caused them to metabolize that in in an unhealthier, in a poorer way that negatively impacted them compared to the first group. That is the power of your belief, is that you can have the same circumstances, you can have to take the same pill as somebody else, but if your expectations... If going into it, you have an expectation that, hey, this is for my good. In fact, I believe what the Bible says when it says that no matter what happens to me is for my good. I believe that the scripture says that, that yeah, there's a lot of things that are going to come against me, but at the end of the day, it's for the refinement of my faith. I believe that there's nothing that's going to happen to me that's going to destroy me. And by the way, even if I do die, let me just tell you something. Elisha got the better end of the deal when he was dead. He didn't have to deal with Joash anymore. He's like, well, thank God that's over. This man got, he got to, I don't know what you believe about heaven, but I will just say it like this. And if you don't know what this means, it's going to sound real weird. But he got to go to Abraham's bosom. Yeah. I don't know what he's preaching. Let me just tell you this. Even in his death, he had peace. So what you believe about the circumstances that are being rendered to you will often end up having huge implications of the way that you go through them. So if your expectations are, God's not with me. He wants me to lose. Come on, go ahead. You've been given a set of circumstances. What are you going to do with it? How's that? What are you doing? What are you doing? You're sabotaging yourself. You're sabotaging your church. You're sabotaging your family. You're sabotaging your children. Come on, you've been given a set of circumstances. There's a battle in front of you. There's things that didn't turn out the way you thought they would turn out. What are you going to do with them? The arrows are in your hand. God says, do something. You know what I'm going to do? And I'm just going to keep believing that, God, you have exceedingly abundantly above anything that I could ask or think for me. I believe 
Man, I feel the Holy Ghost in here. Can I just tell you, God's not finished with us, Stello Church. You get ready. Look at that empty seat next to you and just begin. I want you to put your hand on it and I want you to hit it three times. I want you to hit it five or six times and say, God's going to fill this place. God's going to fill. Come on, if you've got a child, you've got a son or a daughter, you've got somebody that you want God to reach, you ought to hit that seat and say, God, they're coming. They're going to be a part of the kingdom of God. They're going to be baptized in the name of Jesus. Let me tell you what I want to do right now. I'm going to hit the water in this baptistry. And I'm going to say, God, not just two or three, but fill this baptistry up with hungry people, with the addicted, with the broken, with the hurting, with those who are rich or poor. No matter what it might be, I strike this water and I say, God, bring it. I say, God, let them walk through the doors. I say, God, have your revival, your victory, and your power in this room. I'm not paying the high cost of low expectation. I don't want to pay that cost. It costs too much. It costs too much. I feel the Holy Ghost in this room. It costs too much. God is about to give revival like we have never seen before. And you know what, team leaders? You better have your teams ready. You better have your hearts prepared. You better be righteous and you better be bold as a lion. You better be ready to teach it on Monday nights as they walk through the doors, as they come into the Zoom room. We're going to say, hey, we're glad to see you. Let us introduce ourselves. God's got something great for you. Your expectation ought to be high. Let me just tell you, I feel the spirit of God speaking to somebody. Don't stand at the door in the front just saying, well, we might have one or two guests today. Hopefully that'll be good. No, if you're a guest team worker in this room, if you're somebody that volunteers, get ready. You ought to have a smile from ear to ear. And it may not be this Sunday. It may not be next Sunday, but I'm telling you, it's coming. As we raise our expectation and our beliefs begin to change, you're going to watch it materialize. Why? Why? Let me take you to Matthew chapter 9, verse 27. Could you put it on the screen for me? And when Jesus departed thence, two blind men followed him, crying and saying, Thou son of David, have mercy on us. And when he was come into the house, the blind men came to him. And Jesus saith unto them, Believe ye that I am able to do this? That's what he's asking. You believe he's able? Do you believe he's able to deliver? Do you believe he's able to fill this room? Do you believe he's able for us to be the church that plants more churches? Do you believe that he's able to take your brokenness and your sin and your shame and turn it into ministry? Do you believe he's able to take that broken, drug-addicted friend of yours that you think, man, they're so far from God, how could it be them? Are you believe he's, are, do you believe he's able to take somebody out of the, the religion that they're in? which is, can be a deep despair of brokenness all by itself, the chains and the bondage that comes with, with, with just believing, easy believism and saying, well, is this all? No, no, no. I believe that God can take any circumstance, any person, whether religious or anti-religious, and he can take them and he can change their heart by the power of his spirit, by the power of his mercy. There's not one circumstance that God cannot begin to move in and change forever. Believe ye that I am able. Could you go back? They said unto him, yes, Lord. That's simple, but that's life-changing. Yes, Lord, I do. He's not asking for us to do anything outlandish. He's not asking for us 
to be silly or to conjure up something. It's not what we're doing here. Let me just preach for a second, Stello Church. He's not asking me to preach some inspirational message that moves people so inspired because I'm so full of charisma that I'm able to. No, 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 no. That's fake. That's fake. That's fake. What that will lead is to you and I being willing to change the message in order to facilitate what we call the hand of God. Not interested. Not interested. The word of God is enough to convert the soul. We're not changing anything. What that means is we're the church, we're the people that are completely reliant on God. Hey, if this is going to happen, it's going to be completely Him. That's it. If you're going to build an apostolic church in the 21st century or any century, it's going to be completely reliant on God. And He's saying, do you believe I can do it? Yes, Lord. Now we can go to the next verse. Then touched He their eyes, saying, according to your faith. Somebody put your hand over your eyes, if you would. Say, God, help me to see what you want me to see. Help me, God, to believe what you want me to believe. Oh, God, open my eyes. I have faith that you can do it. Help me to see what you want me to see, God. You've got a vision for my life. You've got a plan for my life. You've got a plan for Stello Church. You want me to be used in outreach, God. You want me to be, to be used in the harvest, God. You want my hands and my feet to be the ones that go and that work, God. Help me to see it, God, the way that you'd have me to see it right now. I believe it according to my faith. Mm, I feel the Holy Ghost here. According to your faith, be it unto you today. According to your faith, be it unto you. If you need a healing in your body, according to your faith, be it unto you today. But more than just a miracle from God for somebody's physical body, I'm praying for spiritual vision to be birthed in Stello Church right now. I feel the presence of God in this room so, so powerfully. Why don't you lift your voices and would you just pray with me all over this room? No music right now needed. They're on their way here in just a second. But I want the voices of Stello to be the ones Say, God, change my vision. God, help me to see what you want me to see. God, my faith might be anti-establishment compared to the faith that my parents or my, my grandparents held or the faith that this world holds. It may be, God, different, but Lord, let it be that my faith is lifted enough to not fall into the same paradigms and into the same lack. I want something different for my life. I want God to move in me. I want to believe that he is able Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I feel faith in this room right now. I feel faith in this room right now. I want you to hear me. Next Sunday night. Next Sunday night. As soon as we're done with teardown. I'm hoping that is it Smokey Joe's, Smoking Joe's new coffee shop down the road. What is it? Oh, sorry. Smooth Joe's. Smoking Joe Frazier. Some of y'all are like, we just had a moment, Pastor. How are you going to pull us out of that spiritual moment? No, let me tell you what we're going to do that's going to be spiritual. Next Sunday night, I'm hoping it's there. And if they don't get back with me and it's not there, location TBA, TBD, 
Either one. If you're interested in being a part, you can call it, I, I come with something fancy for you. You ready? An outreach summit. Does that sound fun? If you believe that God wants to use your hands in the harvest, and you'd be willing to be a part of just a brainstorming session on what God wants to do, you, you believe that he wants to use, you don't, this is not, I'm not making anybody be there. You don't have to be there. I'm not, I'm not, I'm talking to volunteers, leaders. If you, if you, if this isn't for you, you don't have to be there. But the invitation is open to anybody that would meet us after teardown, which would probably put it around 530 or 6 o'clock at a location, which is TBD, where we sit together and we begin to, we're already praying, but we begin to pray and then write down the ideas that God is placing in our hearts so that we can begin to have a greater impact. Why? Because God, he's wrapped his arms around us today, and that's what we were just feeling. And he's pulled the arrow back for us. And he said, now let it go, Stello Church. That's what it feels like on a Sunday. But after this service is over, he's putting the arrows in our hands. And he's saying, now strike the ground. And you know what we're going to do next Sunday night? So if God has placed something in your spirit, if he's placed something in your heart, if you feel like he wants to use you in the harvest, you don't have to have some crazy idea. Maybe you do. I say bring it next Sunday night because God is going to begin to move the spirit of this church in a direction that we have been anticipating and we have been waiting for. Why? Because according to our faith, let it be so. According to our faith. And next Sunday night when we get together, God's going to begin to place ideas even this week in your mind and in your heart. And when we get together, we're coming with arrows and hands. And we're saying, hey, I've been striking the ground in prayer this week. I've been praying without ceasing, believing that God is able. Come on, he wants to use you. He wants us to read. We're going to see the miraculous hand of God. And let me just tell you, don't let guilt keep you out of that place. Don't let condemnation keep you out of that place. Don't let the death of brokenness or anything in your life keep you from being there next Sunday night. Be there because God has put the arrows in your hands. Stand with me all over this place. One day while rebuilding the magnificent St. Paul's Cathedral after the great London fire of 1666, which all of you know so much about, the man tasked with rebuilding that great cathedral who was put over that project. He walked among his workers anonymously in a 17th century undercover boss type of way. And he asked them, I don't know why I just imagined this man in the 17th century with like fake mustache and like hat on. Only funny to me, sorry. He walked among those workers this great task and this great project before them. And he asked them this simple question. What are you doing? What are you doing? One answered, I'm cutting stone. He asked the second, what are you doing? He answered, I'm earning three shillings a day. And he asked the last man, what are you doing? I'm helping to build a great cathedral 
for the glory of God was his answer. I'm not cutting stone. I'm not just earning a living. I'm helping to build something for the glory of God. You see, he had high expectations for what he was doing because he knew that it had eternal implications. And in this place, I ask you, what are you doing? You just attending a church plan on Sundays? I ask you, what are you doing? You just coming in because I do a good job on the music and Pastor Devin doesn't wear a jacket every once in a while. I'm cool with that. Or are you building something for the glory of God that will outlast you, that will serve your children and generations? I know what I'm doing. I know why I'm here. I'm not here. Oh, God. I'm not here for my glory. I want this church to outlast me. I want there to be somebody that comes in after me who takes it to a different place and a greater place. I want it to be that this church ends up planting other churches. I want this church to plant churches that are so amazing and so just incredible in what they do that people forget about us and remember them. Are you sure? Yes, I do. Because this is about doing something for the glory of God that is greater than any one of us. This is going to outlast us. My expectations are high. My expectations, Stello Church, are high for this little church plant here in North Raleigh. I'm just telling you, I said it last week. If you're here because you like a little church, well, I'm glad you're here. But I just, I just need to tell you, you are on the ground level, the ground floor of a big church. Because God is up to something big. There is a great work to be done. He's not finished. No, 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 no. My expectations are high. God is up to something amazing. I share one last thing, and we're going to come to this altar. 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 19. The Bible says, Hannah, the mother of that young prophet who was given to the house of the Lord, who would do his work there as a young boy. I heard this growing up. My dad is here. One of the greatest inspirations I have in my life is the voice of my father. Not just in preaching, but in conversation. I don't want to get too sappy today, but can I just tell you one of the reasons I have high expectation is because I have the support of a man of God in my life. I've sat in, in, in coffee shops, in living rooms, in car rides, where I've, 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 heard, I've heard words of life and vision and correction and love placed over me. And the Bible says that, that Hannah has this miracle child named Samuel. And this is a message I've heard my whole life. So I said all those great compliments to my father just now to tell you I'm stealing his message. But if you're going to steal, you steal from the best. You know what I'm saying? So I'm stealing this. The Bible says that she would make him a coat every year. She only got to see him periodically. She'd bring him a new coat every year. And Grant, me and you got, we got growing kids, Grant. When you buy your kids shoes or you buy them clothes, you don't buy them to fit. We ain't stupid. We buy those things big. You want that thing about a half size too big. Now, you don't want them so big that they're tripping over them. So today, Brighton put his shoes on. He walked out. I said, Whitley, are those shoes too big on Brighton? She said, that's his size. I said, okay. That was like clown feet. You buy it big. My dad always had this thought. 
like a good mother, Hannah knew, I'm going to have to work and sew this coat. I'm going to have to bring it to him. But when I sew it and I put it together, I'm anticipating his growth. So what coat I'm going to drape on this young man's shoulders is a coat that has the expectation for growth. Can I just tell you, I feel the Holy Ghost here. God is draping a coat over Stello Church today. But it's not a coat that fits this moment. It's something that's with the expectation for growth. Maybe a little big, right? This room may be a little bit big right now. But see, God gave us this place with the expectation. He said, that's all right, Stello. Come on. I, I want to meet you somewhere. I've been, I've been making something for you. And it looks like a room that's too. It looks like a fort. But just wait. You'll grow into it. Because he knows. He knows better than we do. We may not even notice it at times. How many can even measure their own growth? That's a difficult thing to do. But if you're objective and you're watching from a distance, what you see is that God is building something. There's some families in this room that God is putting apostolic doctrine within you. And you're beginning to grow. Even in places that we may not be able to see it, he's fortifying you with truth and with power. And so in this room, I know the numerical growth is coming, but I also have to say... I applaud the growth of the people in this room. And can I just tell you, there's room for more growth. You can be more faithful. If you've been showing up, don't let the guilt stop you. Maybe you've been lacking faithfulness. This is not a message of condemnation. This is a message that says, hey, God's got a coat that you can grow into. He's putting something on you. Because why? He's got expectation that you're not finished yet. There's a little bit of room that you can grow into it.